Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this latest BICOM Fathom Forum. I'm Richard Pater, the director of BICOM, and alongside is my colleague, Ronnie Gazit, and our special guest, Seema Shine. Thank you all for joining us. There will be an opportunity to ask questions, and I encourage you to do so in the Q&A box that you have on your screen. Today, as you know, we're going to be discussing Iran's nuclear program and the efforts of the international community, primarily taking place in Vienna at the moment, to bring both the US and Iran back into compliance to the JCPOA nuclear deal of 2015. Joining us is our expert analyst, uh, Seema Shine, who really is one of Israel's leading experts on the subject. She completed an impressive career in the, in the Mossad, in the intelligence community, um, serving as the head of research of Mossad, one of the uh, deputy directors of the organization. After the Mossad, she also served in senior roles in the Ministry of Strategic Affairs and in the National Security Council. And today she is head of the Iran program at the excellent Institute for National Security Studies, the INSS in Tel Aviv. So Seema, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. If perhaps you could start just by giving us a situation update where you see the current status of Iran's nuclear program and your thoughts about the process underway in Vienna to bring them back into the deal. Okay, thank you very much for inviting me and uh, I'll start really by a very short 15 minutes, not more, I hope, of uh, think, uh, how is this? how do I see the situation today on several issues? And uh, I'll be very glad to answer questions on uh, everything that relates to the region and to Iran, uh, and of course to Israel as well. So let me start by saying, uh, where, where do we stand with the talks in Vienna? As um, uh, both sides, uh, have uh, expressed their willingness to go back to the JCPOA. Uh, by saying that, I think this is the only, uh, the only uh, common uh, interest that they have shared because all other issues were, uh, they were different on them. One is the sequence, uh, who goes first? Uh, and uh, this is, uh, became a major issue. Uh, since the Iranians have said um, we, uh, you, you left, you the U.S. have left the agreement, so you should go back to the agreement, and then we will verify that you have uh, relieved all sanctions, meaning we will make transitions of uh, money through banks and the ex export of oil, and we'll see if it works, and only then we'll go back to our commitments under the uh, uh, in the nuclear uh, program. Of course, the U.S. has said it will not uh, work like that. Uh, both sides have to go back. And now what, uh, what looks as if uh, uh, both sides are, uh, I would say, are in the process of reaching is a kind of a roadmap. Uh, as you know, both sides are not sitting in the same room, so it's not a direct negotiation because the uh, Iranians uh, did not get the approval of the leadership uh, of the leader, uh, Khamenei, to uh, have a, a direct dialogue. Uh, so the EU, especially the EU, is uh, mediating between the rooms of both sides. But it seems that, uh, that there is, uh, we are, they are working in three uh, working groups, uh, nuclear sanctions, and the last one that was created, uh, established just a week ago, is the sequence. How it will be, once both sides agreed on what, what will be the content of the uh, uh, steps that Iran has to take and what will be the steps that the US has to take, what is the list of the sanctions that the US uh, will uh, relieve, only then the sequence will be the issue how they do it. Um, 
and that might also be a problem. So for the time being, it seems as if both sides want to go back, uh, are willing to do the steps that are needed in order to, uh, to be back in the JCPOA. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a complete deal yet because it looks as if uh, there is a huge pressure inside uh, Iran in the political scene as well as in the US. Um, it looks more easier in the, in the US since uh, uh, it doesn't need, it, uh, this going back to the JCPOA, it doesn't need the approval of Congress even though there are some congressmen that are trying to come with a bill that, uh, de that demands the administration to come to uh, get the approval of Congress, but for the time being, it's not needed. But in Iran, there is a huge pressure coming from the more conservative camp on the leader and on the, the team, uh, trying to tell them that not to actually not to accept any deal. Uh, it looks that there are those in Iran that connected also to the election uh, period. Uh, Iran is going to have uh, elections for president in uh, 18 of June. Uh, by saying elections, don't everybody knows that it's more selection than election, uh, because at the end of the day, it's a list of uh, candidates that are approved by the leader that can run for the presidency. Uh, and we will have in June a new president. Uh, the, uh, the, the list of uh, candidates is not yet uh, approved, that is not yet published, uh, but there is a, a huge debate and a huge uh, um, effort on the side of the conservative camp uh, to dislude the Rouhani uh, uh, camp and to, and that's one of the reasons that they are uh, demanding to stop the negotiations with the US uh, and uh, because there is no one, there is no reason to believe the US that they will uh, adhere to their commitments as it was in the past. And uh, there is, uh, uh, on the other hand, Rouhani uh, telling everyone uh, in uh, open speeches that the, those who are against going back to the JCPOA actually are against the Iranian people because of sanctions relief, etc. So uh, there is a, a huge pressure on, in both places, especially in Iran. And the question uh, at the end of the day might be also the details, how we, it will come out and who will be the first. I do, um, I do uh, think that the Americans are willing to do some uh, initial steps once there is a roadmap, roadmap that uh, knows that the end of the, of the steps are accepted by both sides and the, and everybody knows what the other side is uh, committed to do. Uh, but still, uh, sometimes the uh, devil is in the uh, details and that, uh, that is uh, also an issue that we will see. As I saw yesterday, some of the American, uh, as well as the Europeans have been coming out and saying, there is an, an, uh, an, uh, there is an advance in the, in the talks, but it's not a question of days, it's a question of weeks. So uh, we are not there yet, even though it looks as if both sides do want to get uh, uh, to go back to uh, to the JCPOA. So that that is what is happening in uh, in Vienna. At the same time, what is happening in um, in Iran in the nuclear program is that Iran is advancing on its nuclear program. 
since they have left the, uh, uh, the agreement. They, of course, don't say that they left the agreement. They are trying to, uh, this is very interesting tactic of the Iranians from the beginning. They have said this and these steps that we are doing that are contrary to our commitments in the agreement are not evaluation, are not viol violating the agreement, but they are in uh, according to paragraph that and that, which is of course the very uh, different explanation to the paragraph, but uh, they all the time they are saying we, everything we are doing, we can go back. We can roll back enrichment to 20%, we can roll back enrichment to 60% that they have done after the, um, the last event in Nataz, the explosion that happened there. All these things can be rolled back. Uh, one has to say it is correct partially because all the, no the knowledge that Iran has learned from doing all these things. And of course, by uh, spinning a more advanced centrifuge, everything that they have learned is something that cannot be ro rolled back. And therefore, uh, no question that in the last two years, Iran uh, has improved its knowledge of how uh, to get to, uh, uh, to the enrichment, to the high levels of, the, of a nuclear device. And, um, um, and not only the knowledge, I would say even more the experience of, uh, of not only of the new centrifuge, but also of the, of the defaults of every, every type of them. So there is a lot of, of uh, experience that Iran has, uh, has taken in the last two years, but this is of course something that cannot be rolled, rolled back. And uh, so let's hope that they go back to the JCPOA and they roll back everything that they have done. Uh, the question then is a huge question from the point of view of Israel. The American administration, the Biden administration is talking on uh, going back to the JCPOA as a first stage. The second stage should be as they, uh, as they defined it, longer and stronger, meaning an agreement, uh, JCPOA 2.0, something like that, that should be longer in the sunset of the, of the agreement and stronger in uh, inspection, uh, in uh, the limitations on uh, different venues to the um, weaponization. Uh, the question, the big question, which is of course a very uh, good and uh, correct uh, way of looking on the uh, next years. The question of course uh, arises, and that is the main uh, problem that Israel has with this, how do you make the Iranians, after relief of sanctions, how do you make the Iranians to accept a, 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 a dialogue or a, a negotiations on a longer and stronger agreement? Uh, this is, a, there are a lot of uh, experts and uh, politicians that say once Iran gets relief of sanctions, there is no motivation for Iran to go to any second uh, agreement. And not only that, even if they will go for that, uh, they will come with uh, new demands. Of course, if it is a new negotiation, both sides do have demands and Iran will probably uh, ask also uh, things that they are, they are not allowed today to do. Uh, this is one issue that is a main problem uh, with the uh, concept of the Biden administration. And uh, it is uh, one of the uh, big problems that Israel is raising vis-a-vis -vis the uh, US administration. The other one, uh, the other issue, the big other issue is the issue of regional, issue, uh, regional uh, policy of Iran. 
the uh, instability that Iran is causing in Syria, in Lebanon, in Yemen, in Iraq, uh, and the missile program. These are two issues that uh, I personally uh, don't think Iran will accept. Uh, I, we just have to listen to what they are saying and I usually uh, I not only listen, I also uh, believe that what they are saying they do mean. And what Iran is saying is one on the missile, is missile uh, issue. This is a deterrence, it's not, a, 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 it's not part of the nuclear uh, issue. Even though one has to remember that uh, the missiles are the delivery system of the uh, nuclear device. So there is a huge connection between uh, a part of the uh, pr missile program of Iran, the long range one, uh, medium and long, that are relevant uh, to uh, the possibility of a nuclear device. What Iran is saying, since we are always saying that we don't, uh, uh, we don't want to reach a nuclear device, we just, just want a peaceful uh, nuclear program, etc. blah, blah, blah. Uh, as everybody knew before, but knows today even better since the Mossad has brought the archive of Iran, of part of the archive, uh, this is not the, the aim of the program. The aim was, and it is documented in the documents that ha have been brought, uh, five, at that time, 15 years ago, it was for five devices, nuclear devices. So the program is not a civilian one, it's a military one. Uh, so Iran doesn't accept any demand on the missile uh, project. And when it comes to the regional issue, what Iran is saying is that uh, we are willing to talk about regional issues, but only with regional partners, not the US, not the Europeans, not anyone else. Uh, this is a strong demand. Uh, Iran is, seeing, is saying for a long time that the US should get out of the Middle East, especially of Iraq, which is very important for them, uh, but also the basis that the US has in Qatar, in Bahrain, uh, and also a, a small one in uh, Saudi Arabia. So from Iran's point of view, a, any dialogue, any regional dialogue should be only conducted by the regional partners, of course, without Israel. Uh, and um, I'll say in brackets, there are rumors in the, la a lot of uh, information is, is being leaked out in the last weeks, um, talking about the kind of uh, meetings that uh, bilateral meetings between um, Iran and Saudi Arabia in Iraq, but the mediation of the prime minister of Iraq. Um, I don't know if they, they are correct, but there are more and more, uh, there is more and more information coming out on, uh, on such a, a channel that is uh, conducted in Iraq. Um, I think both sides have an interest, but this is also part of what, the, what Iran wants to uh, to put uh, as its own plan to have a dialogue with the regional partners, not with the US or something else and not connected in any way to the nuclear issue. Uh, so if somebody uh, thinks that uh, once the both sides go back to the JCPOA, there is any chance uh, to uh, persuade Iran to uh, act differently in uh, Yemen or in, or in uh, Syria or in Lebanon, uh, we in Israel don't think there is a chance. And I, I think the Iranians uh, uh, have said it openly many times. I uh, just am quoting even the leaders saying, uh, we are not getting out of Syria. Syria has invited us to support it and therefore we are there. 
Um, of course, they are not admitting what they are doing in Syria, but uh, I don't think that there is any chance that they will get out of Syria, which is very important for Israel, of course. So uh, this, uh, uh, let me say some words about the last uh, events in the, in the sea, the maritime uh, war between the two sides that came out uh, in the American press. Uh, as, as you already probably know, all of you, that uh, this was uh, uh, revealed that it happened in the last two years. It's not a new phenomenon. Uh, it was quiet for a long time. Unfortunately, someone leaked it out and it, uh, it is in the open today. And once uh, it is in the open, um, uh, it is, Iran is more obliged to uh, uh, retaliate than uh, when it was a secret war that nobody was uh, referring to. Uh, it looks to me that uh, both sides, this, uh, the, Israel has expressed it in a, in, a, in a way also openly that it is not going to continue with that, uh, to continue in the way that it was in the open sea, not, uh, not, some, not when it comes to uh, uh, boats that are bringing arms to Syria, but uh, when it is in the Red Sea or in other places. I think Israel doesn't have an interest in uh, enlarging this kind of, uh, of um, collision in the sea. Um, and the word about, uh, um, if I remember all the issues I was asked to refer to, uh, a word about the last event in Natanz. Um, as you all know, uh, there was an explosion uh, probably uh, there were there were uh, uh, ring, there were some uh, options how it happened. Uh, somebody was talking about a cyber out a cyber attack or something. It looks to me that it was a, an explosion, something that was uh, brought inside to the to the uh, um, hall of the of enrichment in Natanz. Uh, it resembles in a way. Uh, what happened the uh, last uh, summer in the upper uh, plant in Natanz with the more advanced centrifuge. Uh, and what we see today is that uh, one is that um, uh, as it happened in the past, Iran uh, has come out very quickly to say, we have found the person who did it. Uh, I'm not sure that they have found anyone or someone uh, specific. Uh, but it is important for Iran to come out and to show uh, that they actually, they were penetrated so deeply and they uh, were uh, surprised, but now immediately they have found uh, the one who is responsible for that. Uh, but what is interesting uh, in this uh, case is that there is a, a ongoing, uh, I would say, uh, um, both sides, Several sides in Iran, inside Iran, are blaming the other side and using this event in order. Uh, and it is very interesting to see that it comes from the government vis-a-vis -vis the uh, Revolutionary Guard, the IRGC, uh, say, uh, actually saying, how can it be that you are, you are responsible for the security and of the, all these places and you have uh, uh, failed and not once, not twice, and not three times, even more. And this is a, became also part of the a battle between the, uh, uh, the, the camps before elections. And the, the whole issue of the, new, uh, the nuclear issue has become an issue uh, of debate, uh, less uh, 
specifically to the details and more as a, as a, a symbol of the more uh, pragmatic camp of Rouhani and Zarif vis-a-vis -vis the more uh, uh, extreme and the conservative camp of the IRGC. Uh, that's interesting because it it wasn't uh, the case in the past, and uh, it seems that uh, this time uh, the uh, the events, the the, the sequence of the events, uh, have uh, made Iran uh, have embarrassed Iran very much, and uh, correctly so. So I stop here, and uh, please feel free to put any questions you want. Seema, thank you very much. That was a fantastic uh, introduction. I've got uh, I've got two or three questions myself, as we'll get to them to to some of the questions already already coming in. Um, as we speak this week, there is a high level Israeli delegation visiting Washington. It's the first time that they're meeting in person since the uh, Biden administration came in. Although they've had a couple of uh, video calls that we understand between on the level of national security advisors. Um, if you could, if you could speculate, what do you think will be the conversations happening with the delegations and the U.S. administration? What are Israel looking to achieve out of those talks? Yes, it's uh, you are correct. It's the first time uh, that they go to Washington. Um, I think, um, first of all, we know what is the Israeli uh, formal position. And I, I think uh, all, all these people that have uh, gone to Washington and they have separate, it's not a delegation that is doing uh, 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 meetings as a delegation. Uh, they are separate everyone with the, the counterpart. Uh, but uh, I think they will uh, they will come with the same uh, saying that we hear from the prime minister. Meaning, um, Israel thinks it's a bad it's a bad decision to go back to the agreement. Uh, Israel believes that uh, uh, Iran is uh, the problem of the Middle East of the instability in the Middle East, uh, uh, allowing uh, uh, such an uh, actor instability actor to get now relief of sanctions and get a, a billion of the billions of dollars uh, of euros or dollars or something that are frozen outside Iran uh, will only encourage Iran with its uh, regional uh, proxies, uh, support its proxies and uh, continue its instability in the region. Um, so I, I, I think the, this is the main message to, uh, to, the, to Washington. Uh, and as, as I said before, uh, there is a, a, a big question mark that Israel will raise. How do you, uh, Biden administration, make sure that this, uh, even if you go back, that we don't support it, but even if you go back, how do you make sure that uh, there will be a second stage and a better and longer agreement? I think this is the main question. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure uh, Washington has a good answer to that because uh, it is difficult. I heard uh, answers like uh, if uh, Iran will not uh, accept it, we can always go back to sanctions as uh, Trump has shown that the uh, US on its own can put on Iran uh, very heavy sanctions. I think it's, it's correct, but it's very difficult to do it. And uh, there is a big question mark whether and how it is, is it at all possible to connect the going back now to JCPOA with any commitment on the side of, of Iran to go to a, to a second stage of negotiations. 
Thank you. So you, you mentioned before about Iran's preference to have a, a dialogue with the, with the other regional partners. On the other side of the, the regional picture, obviously, we now have the Abraham Accords, Israel's relationship with the, the Gulf states. How coordinated are Israel with the Gulf states and even possibly Saudi Arabia? Where do their interests align and diverge? That's a very good question, because um, on one hand, uh, on one hand, it's a huge achievement from the side of on the side of Israel. It's a, you know, Israel for years wanted to be more and more accepted in the region. So from Israel's point of view, it's a, a, a huge achievement. It's very important. Uh, relations that have been uh, uh, for many, many years uh, covered uh, are now in the open. There is already an ambassador, UAE ambassador in Tel, in Tel Aviv. So uh, from Israel's point of view, it's very important. Um, that doesn't mean, and of course, one of the, of the reasons was all the Iranian, the common Iranian threat perceived both by the, by the Gulf states as well as by Israel. Uh, but I think this is, uh, and of course, there are a lot of other issues that we, uh, both sides can benefit from each other. If it's a technological high tech, if it's a agriculture, a water distillation, many, many issues that are, go are and will be going between Israel and the uh, Gulf states. But um, when, uh, um, when it comes to the nuclear issue and to Iran, no, no doubt that both sides, Israel and the Gulf states and Saudi Arabia also, even the, the relations are no, no normalization in relations, both sides do see the same threat from Iran, the regional threat, the missile threat, as well as the nuclear one. But I think um, since uh, uh, the UAE and Saudi Arabia have a lot of problems in, uh, in, in the American Congress and vis-a-vis -vis the Biden administration, they would prefer, and we already see it in, in declarations coming out from these capitals, uh, they would, uh, uh, they feel less comfort to get, to go out against the administration the way Israel is doing it. And uh, they are preferring to say, uh, uh, we are not against going back to the JCPOA, but we do demand to be involved. We do demand to have uh, uh, also the missile project as we know that uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, especially Saudi Arabia has suffered from the from this uh, this missile that were shot from Iran on the Aramco facilities in Saudi Arabia. So there is a very important uh, uh, interest on the side of Saudi Arabia with the missile project, and they are trying to say we are not against, but we have some demands, and we hope the administration will do it. Uh, they are in a less uh, comfort position than Israel to come openly and to criticize and to, uh, and to say uh, the way Israel is saying it. And I think from that point of view, it is uh, something that uh, I, I, was, uh, I was sure it will happen one day when it comes to, uh, to the real issues because they are in a different uh, position vis-a-vis -vis Washington. But uh, I think in Israel, there were some who saw that they are building a kind of a camp anti-Iran camp, and I think this camp is not so solid as it was seen some months ago. Thank you. I'm just going to read a couple of questions we've got here and combined. First of all, if you could just expand on what the damage that was done in the Natanz explosion, how many centrifuges, how much has that uh, affected them? And a kind of a second part of the question is the significance of the enrichment to 60%. Um, just for just to, for for the layman to understand, how close is that to the threshold? 
Okay, so uh, of course I don't have precise numbers of how many centrifuges have been uh, broken. Uh, and I cannot even say uh, since, uh, as you know, I'm many, many years out of, the, uh, of my job, previous jobs. Uh, so what I understand is that um, there is a quite significant damage. It was also said by one of Iranian parliament members. Uh, is it a, a what, what, was op, what was, was operated in, in Natanz was around 5,000, a little bit more than 5,000 centrifuges. I don't know if all the, of them were uh, destroyed. I don't think so. I, I would say uh, probably it's somewhere between 40 to 50%, which is quite a, a damage. Um, uh, it is a, let me put it within context. Uh, it is a damage and it is very much a psychological damage because penetrating to this uh, site is something that is not easy. It's a huge operational uh, uh, success. And I think from this point of view, it's a huge problem for Iran. At the same time, uh, if Iran goes back to the JCPOA, they have enough time to replace the broken ones the destroyed ones with new ones. They do have uh, a storage of a lot of the same kind of centrifuge, not the advanced one, but the IR1 that were before in a Tanzan were, uh, were taken out and stored somewhere. Uh, so Iran can replace them. Uh, it's a damage, it takes the program uh, back, but uh, uh, if Iran goes back to the agreement, it's less, they have more time to replace everything. But as I said, it is a huge uh, a psychological, uh, has a huge psychological effect on, on Iran, on the security establishment, on the leadership. And, um, uh, and it is also a damage to uh, their ability if they, for instance, the, the talks in Vienna will not succeed and they will, will be willing to continue, uh, it will be much more difficult for them and it will take more time, of course. But uh, there is no, no, there is everything can be repaired. It's question of time. Uh, so that's one. And the question about the sixty percent, which is very important. Sixty uh, percent is a huge problem. Uh, it was also explained by the Europeans. It's not only the U.S. and Israel. The Europeans have uh, uh, put the marshes before the uh, Iranians. Sixty uh, percent is very, very close to ninety plus percent, which is the military uh, degree. Uh, it is not as we look on the skull from a, a zero to, to 100, 20% uh, is much more, is around 80% of the road and 60 is already very, very close. So um, if Iran has a, a lot of uh, fissile material enriched to 60%, it's question of days to enrich them to 90%. Thank you for that. I'm gonna read another question here. In 2018, the INSS put out a paper recommending that the US should not withdraw hastily from the JCPOA. You're one of the authors of this paper. Do you agree with the former Deputy Chief of Staff, Yair Golan, that the US withdrawal from the JCPOA was a mistake and has made the situation more dangerous? Um, if, you, if we look on the results from the point of, in point of time where we are today, that is correct, meaning uh, the withdrawal of the U.S. Has, has, has allowed Iran to continue with its program, and it has today uh, more fissile material to a higher degree, 
more advanced center foods, uh, uh, not, only, uh, uh, not only in stores, but also deployed. And of course, much more than Iran could have if it was uh, still in the JCPOA. So from the point of view of the, of the uh, bottom line today, uh, that is correct. Uh, uh, the Trump administration maximum pressure has not achieved uh, uh, the, uh, the goal of Iran uh, going back to negotiations and willing, willing to compromise more than it was in the JCPOA. Uh, there are those that, those that supported this policy would say today, of course, if Trump was elected, re-elected, he would uh, continue with the maximum pressure and Iran, when, and Iran would not be able to stay uh, to, uh, to uh, conduct more four years of uh, pressure. Could be, I don't know, we don't have any way to, to, uh, to check it and, to, and we don't have, I, I would say Iran has learned how to circumvent uh, sanctions Iran has learned how to uh, to live with uh, with the problems that the sanctions have, 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 have rose. I wrote, but at the end of the day, it's correct. Iran Iran's economy is in a very deep uh, problems uh, and connected with, uh, after a year of Corona. That Iran is one of the states that has suffered more than any other in the region. No question that Iran is, uh, uh, Iran's economy and the situation of the population is much, much worse than it was before Trump left the agreement. But that was not the, the purpose of the, of the uh, policy of, the, of Trump. The, the purpose was to bring Iran to, a, to accept a better agreement. And that didn't happen. So uh, uh, that's the picture. And uh, if I'm, it's not a political issue, it's facts. From the point of view of where Iran stands today, where the, the nuclear program stands today, they have more than they had the, uh, one day before Trump left the agreement. Thank you. I'm going to read another question for you here. Uh, why is the risk of an armed Iran with nuclear weapons so much to be feared? Surely Israel and the other countries have the means for neutralizing the ballistic launches of missiles and enough control on the effects of the ground-based weapons, which is far less effective since most of the energy goes upways. If Iran learns, as has Pakistan and India, that having these weapons are a great expense but no practical use, then they might be likely to have better relations. Well, I, I hope it's just a question and I hope the one who raised it does not believe in that because at the end of the day, uh, I don't have to tell uh, the audience uh, what kind of regime we have in Iran. And uh, I, I didn't elaborate on, the, on many issues, but uh, Iran is today the only country in the region that is deploying its uh, arms and its soldiers and, uh, and uh, its ideological uh, um, uh, belief all over the Middle East, trying to change the, the uh, architecture of the, of the region. Uh, instability uh, everywhere, you, everywhere you have instability in the Middle East, you'll find Iranian uh, fingers. Um, I'm not talking about what is happening inside Iran, how they are killing their own people, hanging uh, uh, LGBTs, uh, Baha'is and others, so uh, journalists and uh, bloggers. So I, I, do, uh, I, I do hope that uh, everyone that is interested in Iran knows what kind of regime is uh, the Ayatollah's regime in Iran. Uh, and uh, and uh, 
So do we want to give this kind of regime the ability to have nuclear, nuclear military capability? I'm not talking from Israel's point of view, from any, any country in the, in the region or in Europe or anywhere. So that's, uh, that's one thing I should say. The other one is, um, uh, you know, Iran is uh, around 83 million people. Uh, it's four times bigger in, uh, uh, in its uh, land than Germany. Uh, Israel is uh, between eight to nine million people and uh, one-tenth or one-twenty of, of it says, so how can we compare? I think there is no comparison between the two, the two, uh, uh, the two states. And uh, I want to say uh, one more and very important um, uh, element. And that is uh, having nuclear capability is not only uh, the question of whether you are uh, going to use it against your uh, opponents, uh, against your uh, enemies. It's also a question of the flexibility that it gives you in the conventional area. And that is something, you, uh, uh, that, is something that uh, should be understood. Uh, Iran is doing everything it is doing today in the Middle East without nuclear capability, without a, a, a huge, a, a strong economy, with demonstration of its people all over the country that are, that are dislike the, the regime is an understatement. And in spite of everything, they are doing what we, what we know that they do in Syria, in Lebanon, in Yemen, and in Iraq. So do we want to, this regime to have also nuclear capability? Thank you for that answer. Um, I've got lots of more questions coming in. We'll try and get to as many as we as we can. I've got one here that says that notes the uh, reported in today's UK media that, uh, that uh, Zahari Ratcliffe's husband is quoted that the British uh, Foreign Ministry has not raised a dossier on her torture mental condition for fear of offending the Iranians. In light of this uh, kind of weakness by the uh, displayed by the Europeans, the UK in this case, um, how, what are the chances that they'll be able to negotiate a verifiable deal with Iran and halt the program and ensure, and ensure that the deal is not subverted afterwards? Yes, I think partially I have answered it at the beginning, and, uh, but uh, there is no way, let me say two things. One, uh, if I understood correctly the question, uh, how do we make Iran uh, adhere to the agreement? If I understood, I understood correctly. Sure, and maybe even and what what I mean, what levers can the e, can the E three um, what what levers do they have to ensure that? Um, first of all, let me try and put it in a different way. First of all, uh, I do think that if Iran goes back to the JCPOA, they will adhere to the agreement because this agreement, this specific agreement, in six eight years. Will uh, will be finished. So uh, why should Iran not uh, uh, not go together with the agreement, and why should Iran uh, diverge from the agreement? They they will have the what is the people have to understand what is the main problem. Even someone like me that I supported generally the agreement uh, was thinking that it was that it had a lot of flaws. So what will happen in twenty thirty? Iran will have the legitimacy to enrich to any number of, with any number of centrifuge, with any type of centrifuge, to any quanti quantity of uh, enriched uranium. What will stop Iran from being in weeks a nuclear country? 
And I think this is the main problem of this agreement. There are other problems as well, but the, the short time, the sunset of the agreement and the fact that it will legitimize not the same uh, number of centrifuges that are today enriching, but thousands, many, much more. Uh, the, the leader was talking about 190,000 centrifuges, which is such a huge program that you can have in a short time a lot of uh, nuclear devices, not five and not 10, but much more than that. So that, that is the main issue. So that's the reason that we understood from the beginning that Iran will follow the agreement because they have a timeline, they know the date exactly when they can do everything they want. Of course, they cannot do, if they adhere to the NPT, they cannot have a nuclear military nuclear device. But except for that, they can do everything and then jump from in days to a, to a nuclear device. So I think, uh, I, I think Iran on one hand, if they go back to the agreement, they will continue with the agreement until it is, uh, uh, it is uh, uh, until its last days. And at the same time, at the same time, they will prepare everything they need in uh, secret places, in, uh, in, uh, in, you know, in uh, computer exams and other things that cannot be followed by the IAEA inspectors. Uh, in order to be in a position where they can openly and uh, in a very short time uh, break out to, uh, uh, to nuclear, uh, military nuclear capability. Thank you. Um, another question. What is better for Israel? A return to the JCPOA and limits back on the, on the Iran program or no, or no deal and no limits for the program? Depends who in Israel you ask. <laughs> if you ask uh, the prime minister, he... He says that he says it openly that it's better not to have an, a, a new, an agreement and not to go back to the JCPOA. Um, I I think uh, I think I would say my my answer would be a little bit more complicated. On one hand, I do believe that it's better to go back and to see that Iran goes back to the numbers of what it was allowed within the JCPOA and to make sure that they have less and less material. Uh, on the other hand, I do uh, agree that the problem with the agreement, and I am not talking about the region and about the missiles, because I think uh, Iran will never connect them to the nuclear one. And I personally think that the nuclear one is the most important and the most uh, strategic threat uh, from Israel's point of view. Uh, so I, I'm talking only about the nuclear one. Uh, but I do uh, think that there is a huge problem with the sunset, and we do have to see how we make sure that this regime in uh, six to eight years will not be able to enrich to any level and with any number of central food. This is a, a, should be a common goal of the international community uh, as, at the same time as going back to the JCPOA. That should be parallel in a way and should be a, a kind of an understanding within the international community that without that, uh, uh, I mean, going back to the agreement and started negotiation on stage two. Thank you. I've got a question here about Lebanon. In the context of, their, of the brink of economic collapse and the political consequences um, regarding the stability of the country, how serious is the threat of the instability in Lebanon to further Iran's influence there? As you know, uh, the instability is really, uh, Iran for many years were, were, uh, is an uh, instable state, but uh, in the last uh, couple of years, it's even worse. 
And the, the problem of Lebanon is of course that it is dominated by Hezbollah. And Hezbollah is uh, connected directly and completely to Iran. So uh, um, it is, uh, uh, I would say Hezbollah is this state because uh, its army is much better equipped, is stronger, uh, its political position because of its uh, military capabilities is, uh, uh, is uh, much higher than the, uh, the other two, uh, uh, you know, there is the Shias, the, the Sunnis and the Christians and the Druze that are very in, in limited numbers. Uh, this is, the Shia community is uh, from the three ones is the biggest one and uh, not that all of them support Hezbollah, but uh, Hezbollah is, uh, uh, is more popular in, of course, in the Shia community. And they are today, uh, Lebanon cannot decide any decision, cannot be agreed in Lebanon without uh, the uh, approval of Hezbollah. Uh, we had before two years, there was no president because Hezbollah, Hezbollah did not accept any candidate except the one that is today, Michel Aoun. So Lebanon, I think, is uh, in a way captured, I would even say, by Hezbollah and through Hezbollah by Iran. And what Iran is trying to do now is to improve the military capabilities of Hezbollah, especially with precise missiles. This is the main threat uh, from Israel's point of view because uh, Hezbollah is perceived by Iran as the, uh, as the uh, immediate uh, threat vis-a-vis -vis Israel once there is any war with Iran, any uh, attack on its nuclear program, even if it's not Israel, even, even if it, uh, it is the US or, uh, or NATO or someone, uh, Israel will be the target for, for Iran and Hezbollah is the most, uh, the strongest and the, and the closest uh, uh, proxy of Iran to retaliate vis-a-vis -vis Israel. So Lebanon is in, in a way, uh, doesn't have any problems with Israel, any, uh, Lebanon as a country, any uh, disputes on land, because there is, uh, the, it was, Israel has uh, went out of Lebanon and there is an, an international uh, recognized by the UN uh, border, but uh, Hezbollah is conducting the things in Iran, in uh, Lebanon. And uh, there is, uh, I'm really, I would say I'm really sad for the Lebanese people and I meet a lot of them in, co in conferences outside of Israel and they, they, are, they love their country and they cannot go back because they say it's not our country anymore. Mm, thank you for that. Um, another question here. We are often told that all options must be on the table if we are to tackle the Iranian nuclear threat. Does Israel have its own credible military option and under what circumstances could it be unleashed? Um, I think, I think two, uh, let me put it in uh, two different uh, levels. One is uh, the capabilities and the other is uh, intention. Uh, capabilities, uh, I think, first of all, I think Israel does have the capability. It has built the capability uh, and is um, keeping this uh, capability in order if as a last resort, if or if if something at the end of the day comes to a point where where the Israeli government will decide that it is unacceptable dramatically, it could be used. I would suggest Israel not to do it because I think the the Iranian nuclear issue, and therefore I think it's different from all other issues. 
is a problem of the international community, not, not less than it is a problem of Israel. It is a problem of the uh, um, arms, uh, arms race. It's a problem of uh, regime, nuclear regimes in, in the world, of the NPT. It's a problem of, uh, with the range of missiles, it's also, it can reach also Europe. So I think the nuclear issue is an international problem as well as it is an Israeli problem. And therefore I would, uh, I would suggest to, and I do, I think Israel is also thinking in these terms, even though it's, uh, it does not uh, rely on Europe and the US, but it, but it should make sure that the US and the, uh, is uh, on the same page as us, as what does it mean if Iran is breaking uh, is trying to break out to a nuclear capability. Um, I, I, I do think we, we might see eye to eye with the uh, American administration. That's one thing. The other one is the question of, uh, of what does it mean practically and, the, uh, and what, and it is a huge dilemma, you know, at the end of the day, no one wants, no one in Israel and no one in Iran and the, in the US does want a total war in the Middle East and uh, something that is, uh, uh, could uh, cause a lot of uh, damage, not only damage, but a lot of lives and uh, everything. That is something that is really uh, uh, a nightmare, I think, in Tehran as well as in Washington and in Jerusalem, uh, and of course in Europe. Uh, at the same time, I, I, I must uh, come again and say, we have to understand what kind of regime is it in Iran and how do they look on the, on the, the issue of uh, casualties. And I on, just want to remind us, we, Iran was eight years in a war with Iraq. Uh, they have suffered around a half a million casualties, uh, dead and, 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 and much more uh, uh, injured. And uh, it took many years until the leader at that time, Khomeini, accepted uh, uh, the decision to go to a ceasefire with Iraq. So we are talking about different way of looking on, on the issue of casualties, on the issue of damage, on the willingness to suffer part of the Shia uh, ideological religion uh, uh, belief. So, this is a very problematic uh, issue, and it's not just a question of capabilities, but Israel does have the capability. Thank you. Just a question back onto the, uh, the, the timeline and the, the, the process of the negotiations. You mentioned, of course, the, uh, the Iranian presidential elections coming up um, in a couple of months. Do you think there is a, a, a desire on part of the Americans to reach a deal before the Iranian uh, president's elections and what impact do you think that process have on those two sequencing events? There are two timelines that uh, dates that are dates that are important in the coming two months and one of them is the elections in Iran in June but the other one is also 20 of May and that is the end of three months of three months of agreement between the IAEA and Iran on inspection in Iran. And uh, this is something also that uh, is a day that also is important when the uh, negotiating uh, teams are um, city, uh, negotiating in Vienna. Uh, the question of, um, of, uh, of the elections in Iran, there is a big question. I think the US would prefer to have a, an agreement before elections in Iran. Um, the question is, and I don't have a good answer to that, uh, the question is whether the leader in Iran wants uh, to have 
whether he wants to have an agreement, one, it looks as if yes, but uh, if, if it's correct and he wants to go back to the agreement, does he want it to give it to the Rouhani, the going out administration in Iran, uh, the more pragmatic camp, or does he want it uh, to be by a more a conservative one that will uh, uh, be more uh, committed to, to the agreement? I, I, uh, there are a, a lot of uh, pros and cons for both uh, timing. I think um, it might be that, they, that the leader would prefer to put it on Rouhani, uh, and if something to be blamed later, it's better to be blamed on someone that is gone already and not a new one. Uh, but um, uh, it's difficult to judge. And uh, uh, one thing is uh, for sure, if it doesn't happen before, and uh, I do think that we cannot wait until June because, I mean, the negotiating partners cannot wait because June it's very deep within the period of elections and, the, and it, it stops to be uh, a, an, a, an issue. It begins to be a much more political issue than it is today. And if it doesn't happen before elections, um, the sides will have to uh, uh, wait until a new government and a new president, and that will be not, uh, not too early before um, August, September. So we are at the end of next of uh, this year, around the, the end. Okay, and just looking at the process again in Vienna, you described before the Europeans basically carrying out shuttle diplomacy between the two the two hotels. Beyond that, the the, the role of trying to as a as a bridge between the two sides. Have the do the, the the Europeans bring any particular agenda with them that they want to see re reinforced? And another question I have here is if the E3 would consider in the future the snapback on sanctions. I think the, first of all, I think there is a, a strong willingness on the side of the Europeans to go back to the JCPOA. They were the one who were putting pressure on Iran. Uh, they tried to do it with Trump, but it, they didn't succeed, especially the president of France, Macron. Um, but, and so I think there is a vested interest in Europe to see this uh, a problem uh, saved, uh, solved uh, in a way that both sides are back in the, as somebody has said, back in the box. Uh, so that's one thing. The other one is, uh, I, I think that once uh, it happens, and if it happens, uh, the EU will be, uh, the E3, it's not the EU now, with uh, Britain, is the E3 will be uh, committed uh, to the agreement, and from that point of view, if there is a, uh, a break of the Iranians, if they do something uh, uh, out of the agreement, I think there might be a, a, a support of the E3 uh, to, uh, to the snapback, could be. Uh, that's, the, that's one of the reasons why I saw that the, a, an agreement between the US and Europe is so important for a, for future steps, if Iran violates the agreement or if Iran does things that uh, both sides will think, uh, Europeans and Americans, that should be uh, uh, punished in any way, uh, going together is much more effective, even though, as I said at the beginning, uh, Trump has uh, shown everyone that the US with its huge market and huge interest of, of uh, European companies uh, is good enough to put huge pressure on Iran. But it's always better to have a common position 
and it's also the the way of thinking of the Biden administration that uh, uh, looks upon a cooperation between Europe, the transatlantic cooperation, as a very important element. It's in his uh, in its uh, diplomacy. Fantastic. Well, I think we're going to run out of time, but thank you so much for your patience answering all our questions. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we tried to get through as many of them as as we could. But that was really terrific. Thank you so much, Seema. Thank you. Thank you.